0: faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up
1: Hello I'm Ed I'm the director of Faith in Kids this is the
2: Faith in Parents podcast that's right. My name's James Carey. I'm also a dad like Ed, and we're trying not to make it up as we go along, but it does not feel We're like having
1: it. a great time. We're
2: having a good time. I like
1: to think some others are too. Yeah. Today we're looking at the topic of parenting teens, and uh, we've got a teenager doing a Bible study with me. But before we do that, we've had a letter jam.
2: We have, haven't we? We've had a, an email, technically. Oh, it's true. We're showing our age there. Um, from Kat, thank you so much for emailing us. And she's asking us about the very first episode of Faith in Kids when there's a little interview with these um, boys who uh, say about the rocks crying out. And so um, she says this, when the lads you were doing the study with said they don't think the rocks would really cry out, it made me think that if it were my child, I'd want to challenge that. It got me thinking, did he mean literally I think he did? But I'm sure that if I ask my children that question about whether the rocks would cry out if Jesus doesn't, um, isn't worshipped by the people, either way, they're going to want to know the correct answer. I noticed, I think, that you just let them answer the question rather than giving them any right answers. So I suppose my question is, what do we do if they give an answer which we think is wrong or shows a lack of faith in Jesus? That's a great question.
1: Thanks, Kat.
2: And the boys in question were small, weren't they? They weren't teenagers? They
1: were, uh, I think they were about nine and 11,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: or maybe 10 and 12. And I do think age has a lot to do with this question. Yeah. So uh, in my thinking, I separate into sort of three blocks. That is under sevens, eight to twelves, and 13 and over. So under Mm 7s uh, they're not conceptual thinkers they're very concrete so for under sevens most questions need a solid answer right and cat you've said that your children are about that age so it makes sense to me that when you're talking to your children they want solid answers and so you want to give them solid answers i think that makes perfect sense mm-hmm. i think over eight or thereabouts children are starting to Uh, work through different ideas and weigh them one against the other and work out which one is the most likely and what are the different options so i think at that age as i did with that study i want to give them that space Hmm. to listen to their reasoning to listen to their thinking yeah Uh, and on that i do think wherever possible we do want our children to do the thinking for themselves to work through the issue come to a conclusion and to work out what that might mean for life Hmm. if we just tell them stuff firstly they don't think very much Uh, listening doesn't require as much brain power as thinking and talking yeah and so they might hear the right answer but they we're not training them to work things through for when we are not standing next to them and they have one of these things to work through on their own And then finally, teenagers, I think teens are wondering, does it work? Is it plausible? So not just is it true or what's the right answer, but what do I think of that? Do I want to own that? Is that me? Uh, How will that stand up to other people? Will they argue? Will they think it's ridiculous? So in those situations, again, I I want to give teenagers the space to say, no, I don't think that's true. I doubt doubt that happened. I'm not sure why anyone would think that. Yeah. Yeah to be able to just talk them through, well, why do you think that? What What are you basing that on? What assumptions are you making?
2: Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, different ages, different personalities, different kinds of kids. Mm. I mean, we looked at that in the last Faith and Parents podcast, didn't we? Where it's like, you have, to, you have to do this for your kids based on their personality. And God has chosen you to do this with those kids, with his word. And you've got all the tools and it's not going to feel like you're doing it right all the time. But, you know, these are some of the things you want to be thinking about.
1: And a huge encouragement is I've just generalised the wonder of how God invented families Mm. is he put children in a family. So the parents get to know those children better than anyone else.
2: It's banging the table here now because he's
1: (laughs) really... He's, so, he's
2: he's delineating groups and things with his hand on the table
1: so so you don't need to listen to ed's generalizations and uh stereotypes and my t- and my team must be yeah. like this you know your own children mm. better than anyone else you get to work out are they just frustrated when they listen to me or do they really just want an answer and in fact when i don't give them an answer they're very frustrated
2: yeah and i think therefore if if reading the bible with our kids is something that hardly ever happens then the, the answers they give will will be under a lot of pressure. It'll feel like they have to give the right answers. Whereas if this is something that we do regularly, maybe once, twice a week, maybe every day, that would be great, but not always possible, then it's just part of a conversation, isn't it? And so you don't need to correct everything because it just becomes real, really burdensome. Mm. But also it stops being a conversation. So I think it needs to be a long-running conversation that will come back, you know, and ebb and flow. And you may have this conversation when they're five and you may look back at this passage when they're eight and they realise that they're not the person they were when they were first looking at this passage. And then they may look at it again when they were 15. Um, or if you're being able to do it in a family with with young kids and teens, they can see each other processing stuff differently. Yeah. And this is all this is all part of the plan. I think in a way we're trying to work out how do we cope with yeah. this disastrous a conflict of parental expectations and character personalities and differences from their kids as if it's a curse. And actually, I don't think it is, is it? It is a blessing to be in a family and to learn the Bible together because we're all going to bring different things in. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, and I uh, recently, I was asking as many people as I could for stories that they remember when they were children. So asking adults, if you grew up opening the Bible in your family, what do you remember? It is striking that the only thing people really remember is is ridiculous stories where someone accidentally swore, no. where something broke, yeah. where there was a, a moment of dramatic anger or
2: stupidity. And something or, caught fire. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, um, almost no one can say i remember learning this yeah or there was that moment when dad explained that yeah. to me almost no one remembers one example okay you're not exactly selling this whole <laughs> no, read the bible with your no. kids thing <laughs> but what is striking man, <laughs> anyway is- thanks for <laughs> much listening everyone
2: i think we're done here bye-bye
1: <laughs> is what is is in the same way you can't remember the meals you've eaten no the fact you're still alive today means you've eaten the right number yeah. of meals. Yeah, yeah. In that, that is the story: is you are growing and developing and building and training your thinking. Mm. And all the people, without exception, are so grateful. Yeah, their mum or dad did it whenever they could. Yeah, uh, and they acknowledge that is their foundation. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah, um, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's also. But the other thing is, it's also based on their. Um, it's not just based on the child's personality but on yours. Yeah. So it may be that you are uh that you're a real stickler and it may be that you need to get over that and not correct every single wrong answer. Yes. It may also be that you never correct yeah. their answers and they're left thinking it doesn't seem to make any difference what I say. That's right um so i could say jesus was an alien yeah. and they'll say oh that's an interesting idea yeah so i think we all and and that's part again of parenting is that god is teach I mean, i've learned so much about god and my relationship with him through my kids and through just being their father and and working out how they relate to me and how that changes me i am not the man i was uh 11 years ago before my first and i want to girl. thank
1: your children for that <know>.
2: I mean that sounds like a compliment, but it, it actually isn't. <laughs> anyway, we should probably move on. Kat, thanks so much for uh, for your email. Please do keep emails coming in. We really would uh, love to talk about them more because this this is the nitty gritty, isn't it? And this is if there's one thing that this podcast is, it's nitty and it's gritty. <laughs> it it, it yeah. is. So um, the other thing to say is this is a the companion podcast to episode four of Faith in Kids, which is day ten taken away by guards so i hope that you'll you'll enjoy that episode to listen to with your kids please let us know how that is going is it too long is it not long enough is it too serious do do you wish we wouldn't have that bit of music in the middle where you're meant to talk about stuff? And if we're blunt, jam there yeah. is even the question
1: of uh, which of these two podcasts mm. is most enjoyed, is hitting the spot, right? Needs to be leave it as it is and keep doing it because families are loving it. Yeah. Or which of these two needs to be changed and modified? Yeah. Less frequent, more frequent. These yeah. are the questions we're asking. The biggest questions.
2: Yes. Please, not more frequent. Um, it might just kill <laughs> us. But you never know. You never know. Um, also, if you're able to. Uh, help pay for this podcast sorry i went puh, 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 because if if i keep going i'll highlight the need that we need a second pop shield uh for the microphones so um if you can get involved financially with faith in kids then that would help things like this podcast as well as ed's ministry why don't you just give us one minute ed on what you actually do uh, when you're not doing this podcast which is most of the time faith in kids exists to help churches and parents
1: to raise children to know Jesus Christ as their Lord for all eternity. So we are aiming to help parents and churches. This podcast is the parents' part and the family's part in that we think we can sort of reach over the church and help families where they're at, what they're doing in the car as they're being chased by bears. (laughs) There's uh, the other part which is helping churches that we have resources on our website faithinkids.org we make resources available there for training and also for using with children some ideas of events you can run clubs you can run Uh, we blog there to help churches and families and then I also train people in person and we as a team have published a book which we've talked more about on this podcast which is the wonder of easter That is family Bible times to put into the hands of those families who may not be used to doing it. So we're trying to produce resources like these that churches and families can use in their situations that are flexible,
2: realistic, and most of all, show people Jesus Christ in the Bible. Brilliant. Um, Reference to being chased by bears there, which is from episode six, which is yet to come, which is very exciting. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, We're actually, yes, we're we're not always playing catch up. We sometimes do get ahead. The other thing to mention is the fact that, so you offer training as well. My, my wife has done some of that, which she's really enjoyed. Yeah. So you, you turn up to various parts of the country and churches can send people to this training. That's right. So how can people find out about that? Uh, those days that you just mentioned are called the Big Day Out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we run
1: them in five places around the country. Exeter, London, Cardiff, Hull, Birmingham. So in each of those places, once a term for a day, we try to gather together those people who in some role are leading or influencing the children's ministry in their local church. Uh, On our website, you can find dates and details. But we're trying to grow local networks who support and encourage each other, train each other, uh, and then I facilitate
2: that and try and help with it as I can. Great. So people can find out all those details, faithinkids.org. And you can also email us at podcast at faithinkids.org. So we're going to have the reading now, which is from day 10 of The Wonder of Easter. So um, do go and get that book from the book, Good Book Company. But Bibles are widely available. So we're going to have the reading and then we'll go into the interview with uh, Jack. I say interview. It's a Bible time with Jack. Why don't you tell us about a bit about Jack and how that came about, Ed? Yeah,
1: uh, I've known Jack now for more than a decade. He's 17 Uh, We're used to each other. In fact, I have been meeting up with him for about a year when we just sit down, have a chat about things and open the Bible, pray together. So I guess he's used to this, uh, but he's also a teenager.
2: Yeah, and that's why this is a little bit shorter than possibly average. But anyway. (laughs) He he, he, he doesn't talk too much. No, that's right. But anyway, so reading and then time with Jack and then we'll see you on the other side.
3: Our reading is from Luke chapter 22, verses 47 to 54. While Jesus was speaking, a crowd came up. One of the twelve apostles was leading them. He was Judas. He came close to Jesus so that he could kiss him. But Jesus said to him,
4: Judas, are you using the kiss to give the Son of Man to his enemies?
3: The followers of Jesus were standing there too. They saw what was happening. They said to Jesus, Lord, should we use our swords? And one of them did use his sword. He cut off the right ear of the servant of the high priest. Jesus said,
4: Stop! Then he touched the servant's ear and healed him.
3: Those who came to arrest Jesus were the leading priests, the soldiers who guarded the temple, and the Jewish elders. Jesus said to them,
4: Why did you come out here with swords and sticks? Do you think I'm a criminal? I was with you every day in the temple. Why didn't you try to arrest me there? But this is your time. The time when darkness rules.
3: They arrested Jesus and took him away. They brought him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed them, but he did not go near Jesus.
1: Uh, what happened during the fight? Uh, one cough, something mm.
4: Anything else? Uh, like, Jesus trying to like, break it up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Did he do that? I like saying, like, like, stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you hear the reason he gave the saying stop?
4: Um, it was like, oh, because he's like,
1: I'm not a criminal. That's it. That's it. Jesus told them they could have him, they could have arrested him on any day. Why do you think they came with soldiers and swords at night time?
4: Um, maybe because they wanted, like, so, like, other people couldn't see. So, like, if it was, like, at night time, then maybe, like, less people are about to witness, like, him being captured. It's so, like Jesus' supporters can't really, like,
1: stop them. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question for over sevens and a question for teens, just so we have a good go at it already. Here is your question for over sevens. If you get it wrong, it's a little awkward, but don't be scared. <laughs> Judas chose to hand Jesus over to the soldiers with a kiss. Why do you think Jesus was sad about that? It wasn't like a kiss, like a sign of love. Mm.
4: So, but like kissing someone to say like kill this guy—that's quite like that's a bit of a juxtaposition. Mm. So, it's not
1: really right, see me. Uh, Jesus knew exactly why his enemies hadn't arrested him during the day while he taught in the temple. He told them, but this is your time, the time when darkness rules. What do you think Jesus meant by that? Hmm. I'm not really sure. Hmm. Um, Okay. So he says here, so exactly as we discussed, he says, you could have come at daytime, to the yeah. temple, but he says this is your time—the tar- time when darkness rules. So you said there was one reason you thought of that was they didn't come during the day because Jesus' supporters would have maybe yeah. helped him out. Yeah, like they did. One bloke got out his sword, another yeah. wave. Are there other reasons why they would have done it at, at night time? So when Jesus says, this is your time when darkness rules, is there something about what you do at night time that says something about what you're thinking while you're doing it?
4: Um, well, at you're like, most like, bad things happen at night. Like, I think that's quite associated. Yeah. Like, crime, Yeah. And stuff like that. So maybe, like, he you knows that, like, that maybe, like, I don't know, like a shade or like, no, no, they're not doing like the right thing by arresting him, yeah, I don't know.
1: yeah, yeah. I think that's it, okay. And just um, a last thought to ponder a bit, Jack. Uh, I, th- I think if you if we have if we have some faith in Jesus Christ, if we think he is in some sense the boss, when we see evil happening. That can be unsettling. It's something people often say to, to Christians. You know, you're a Christian. What you know, how, how can God allow suffering? How can God allow evil? Yeah. Now in this story, Jesus seems to allow evil. It is not right that they arrest him. He has he has done nothing wrong.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What what do you think? How does this story help us to make sense when we see evil happening? You know, the fact Jesus allowed it then. How does that help us when we watch the news, see it in our city?
5: Um,
4: well, I feel like... I don't know. Like, I want to say like, it's part of like, God's plan, mm. but like, um, I don't know I think it's because of what like, I really like in the sinful world. Like, it's kind of our choice. Yeah. But, you yeah, know, I think... Um, Uh, If it wasn't in God's control, then He would stop it.
1: Yeah, but since it's like, let's it happen.
0: Yeah.
1: And when you feel unsettled by it, what do you think you say to yourself? You know, when you're affected by it. Uh, like when evil is directed against you, or you see it close to you, what do you think you say to yourself? Uh, probably
4: like, like, well, first of all, I'd be like reassured. Because I know that God like, in control. Yeah. But then I will probably like, ask to help as well. Yeah. Help to what? Help with what? Maybe like, I don't know, to like, maybe not like follow, but or like to control myself, like not to, like fall into that kind of temptation.
5: Yeah. Very good.
2: So that was you and Jack. How do you think that went?
1: <laughs> uh, I'm mainly delighted he was willing to do it. Yeah, uh, I think as a, uh, teenagers are, are much more self-aware, um, they feel a little more awkward. So I think to be recorded doing a Bible time with me isn't isn't the easiest thing. Yeah, but he was lovely, and he w- would he been would he have been much more communicative if you hadn't been recording it? Do you think? Uh, no, no. I he may have been a bit more. But yeah, I I think. When we read the Bible together, uh, I I really do fight the temptation to do all the talking yeah. and to fill the silences, because he is happy to answer questions and he is happy to talk. I just have to ask good questions. Yeah, I just have to allow him the space to talk. So yeah. I tried to do that with in that time you heard, and uh, it, it was in honesty it was the first one of these I had recorded. Right. Uh, So I think probably I've learned since then a few things about how you can, in a recording, a few things you might be able to do just to help both of you to relax a bit more, to be more normal. Yeah. I uh, get asked a lot with this book that we're taking these studies from, The Wonder of Easter, will this work with a teenager? I think often by the time parents have teenagers, the idea of sitting down to open the Bible feels like an awkwardness and a trial too far. Right. So what I try to say is uh this we have a question each day for teenagers. So we we're, we're imagining that maybe uh you have people who are doing this might have children of a range of ages. Yeah. If you only had a teenager, I think you would still start from the beginning. Yeah. But you might just say look I'm sorry we're just going to have to run through the 5 to 7's question just to get through it. Yeah. And uh deliberately I've tried to make the teenage questions questions that allow them to say no I don't think it does or more open-ended allowing them to think it through to work out is this plausible is this coherent does this match up with what I see around me trying to start that process of this isn't just a belief to have with the bible open at the kitchen table this is a belief that needs to work in school yeah with my mates
2: and needs to work when I'm older at college at university
1: exactly when my parents aren't there not nagging me to read the bible Uh, You want to allow them to express something of that. Mm. And uh, studies show that it is an incredibly helpful process for parents to show a lack of certainty, Mm. to show they have questions, they have doubts, and to create an environment where teenagers can have that sort of openness too. There's a safe enough space to say, I don't get that. I don't see why that would be the case. I don't see why I have to believe it Mm. or I find it hard to believe it
2: yeah great there's much more that could be said there um but uh, we're going to leave that for another time you've now got an interview uh jam we probably should
1: uh in the spirit of openness so yeah. neither of us have children who are yet teenagers correct uh so we need to learn we need to learn and i can honestly say and i'm sure you can too by being in a church and seeing parents of teenagers going before us yeah. they are the people we talk to yeah. throughout our family's life we have been going to those same families to say, look, three, four years ago, you were doing this. How did you how did that go? What did you choose? Mm-hmm. So I have always, always wanted to talk to those who are ahead of us to understand the wisdom, the godliness, the experience they have. And this interview is, is an example of that. I think we should run the interview. Here we go.
5: Andrew, will you tell us a bit about your family? Yeah, I'm uh, married to Hillary. We've been married 22 years. We've got two kids. 17 and 15 thank you they're both boys thanks i do
1: think many people find parenting teenagers particularly difficult yeah maybe as a christian more so yeah uh could you just tell us some of the principles that you you try to remind yourself of
5: yeah uh it is scary parenting teenagers because they're bigger they're closer to leaving home and you you feel more concerned in your soul about about the fact that your work is coming to an end and what kind of state do they seem to be in at the moment and uh, it it is a scary thing uh the stuff that i've I've found I've held on to that I've needed to hold on to in parenting, and I think one would be that the thing i can give my kids consistently that they need is that they have a father who knows that he needs god if i if i were a perfect parent then i would not be preparing them well for the experiences in life when they fail when they really mess up when they lose their temper and that god in his wisdom has put me in my brokenness and my sin to be their parent. And that means part of what they get to see in me is someone who messes up, reads me regularly. So at that point, it matters that they see me need God. It matters that they see me be sorry to God, be forgiven by God, and trust God to use me even though I'm a mess. And that that the gospel really means something to me. It is actually the reason why I can carry on as a as a parent because God is powerful. He's Lord, and He's saviour, He forgives. So Um that list, Andrew, you just gave us, I've already partly forgotten
1: it, but it it, it included saying sorry when you're sorry, looking for forgiveness, yeah. remembering the gospel, remembering yeah. who the Messiah is. Yeah. Um
5: presumably part of that is you actually try to say those things sometimes in some, in some form, in some version. Yeah. So I, um, I mean, the great thing is you can imagine, can't you, a teenager that knows the gospel for themselves and has watched you do this. They, they are quite good at reminding you and say, well, you really sinned dad or something. Um, and it's pretty rare that I'll say, yeah, I did. And, you know, it'll all be right from that moment on because I've <laughs> continuing to fight. But, um, I can, uh, I will say, it it will get to the point when I've properly calmed down and um, it might take a while, but I will say to one of my boys, um, I'm sorry for what I did, I I lost my temper and that was really wrong. Uh, And I said sorry to God and he's forgiven me and I need you to forgive me too. Um, And my experience of doing that has both been a sort of a, a sense of sort of personal freedom that I'm—I'm I'm not trying to be, pretend to be other than I am, but also, just almost a joy in them, because I was—I like feel they know I'm not perfect, but they can see that the gospel really makes a difference. They can see what it, how it works. So, you know, there've been—I think—I think the moment that lives in my memory is the most horrific failure of mine as a dad when I utterly lost it. Has, to some extent, you know, remained as a as a as a blessed scar in me because it it keeps telling me how much I. I need him. And, I can't, you know, it, if I ever thought at that point, I mean, it was a number of years ago now, but if I ever thought at that point that I could. Pull it off and convince them that I basically knew what I was doing, that that destroyed <laughs> that destroyed it. So I, I, I carry on as a dad because I believe that God's making their dad not because I think I'm brilliant. Thank you. You said that was
1: the first principle you hold on to.
5: Yeah. I like to
1: summarise things. So Great. I think the first principle is you remember you are an imperfect
5: dad who needs God as much as they do. Yeah, and and if they get to see me needing God, then I'm already blessing them. Thank you.
1: You had something else you were
5: thinking of? Yeah, another thing I was thinking of was that... Um, that it's easy as a parent to respond to your child motivated by fear over what they're becoming or the decisions that they're making or the character trait that they're just revealing uh and you find that it it, you can feel offensive you can feel like it's a it's a hateful thing and then we're frightened or they're making decisions they've got habits which you don't think are uh you know they're not they're not habits that you think are wholesome. And funnily enough, I've noticed that I can completely forget how similar I've, my own habits can be. Um, and sometimes the fact that your kids behave in a way that's like the way you behave means you're really sensitive to it in them because you already don't like it in yourself. But um, come back to the thing I started. It's easy to respond out of fear of what's going to go wrong or going wrong. And I think that it is better, if I can take a moment to put my fears in a prayer to God and ask him to take those. And that that if I can trust him for that, then that frees me, instead of responding out of panic, um, just to listen a bit more carefully to my kids and hear what, try and hear what's really being said and try and understand where they're coming from and to see it from their point of view. So it can just give a little window to breathe and and love them so that I'm I have fears, but if I can direct them towards the Lord, then I can it, it sometimes helps me to love them. And I I sort get that wrong. And sometimes I get part way through a conversation I have to think, hang hey, a minute. I've got to shift direction here. And practically that might mean
1: if if you suddenly feel that sense of fear on a Monday as mm-hmm. you see a decision mm-hmm. your child is making, mm-hmm. you might deliberately think Tuesday and Wednesday are going to be prayer, love, care, to just give yourself the headspace to just get
5: to a point where you can trust yourself to speak to them. Yeah, that sounds very sensible. I, I,
0: <laughs>
5: I should do that. No, what it tends to be is I see something on a Monday yeah. um, and then I do nothing for ages because I'm lazy. Or it will be that, you know... I see something and my wife sees something, we react in different ways. Okay. And and actually I feel her fear, which prompts me to do something I wouldn't have done otherwise because I'm lazy. Okay. So that can be a real blessing. But I, I mean I don't think it has to be a two or three day process. I think it can be a, a, a even a twenty second thing. Okay. To say, Lord, here is here is my worry. Um I will please help me to trust you with that and help me to listen and love and it's not that i don't i if i'm being a if i'm getting it right it doesn't mean that i don't do anything because i'm not worried it means that um what i do is motivated by love in the foreground okay. rather than panic Thank i don't know you. if that makes it sense it does you had one more idea you wanted to talk about yeah um i think it's what it's what paul tripp says in a book about parenting teens called age of opportunity and it it it's It's very precious to me in that when I am conscious that I'm messing up, um, I have to remember that God is my father and my kid's father, and he's parenting me as I'm trying to parent them. And he's fulfilling every promise to me as he's using me in their lives, in all my imperfections, because he's big enough to do that. And he's also using them in my life with all of their imperfections, because he big be enough to do that, they are exposing, because God is lovingly using them to do it, things that he wants to work on in me. Um, and that's a great thing, because it's what a loving father does, and he does it brilliantly in me. So if I try to remember that I need his work, and he's promised to do it as an act of his love towards me, um, that encourages me in the times when I'm conscious of how I'm messing it up, because... the end he holds all the responsibility and he's at work in every part of the family
1: and last question andrew uh we particularly on these podcasts at the moment are thinking about the part the bible plays in parenting opening it as a family or Mm. with individuals yeah uh and i I think it is true that with teenagers you you can feel like you've missed the boat
3: Mm -hmm. uh
1: Could you just give us some insight into, presumably it has changed,
5: but what can continue? I used to try to read the Bible with my kids when they were really small at night, um, which I quite enjoyed. And I used to tell them that it was the best part of the day to hear from God and his word. And I would even sometimes tell them, yeah, I know we don't feel it's the best part of the day. It doesn't mean it isn't, Mm -hmm. because God's about to speak to us. Um, But now they're they're bigger. Um, It works out in different ways my um my older son is still keen for me to read the bible with him in the morning and sometimes i wonder if either of us is awake but um it's a great it's a great it is a great way to start the day we read the bible we, get, we pray together uh we're doing two corinthians at the moment and um if he were more awake his questions would be more troublesome for me but you know uh it's good to do and the other way is that um i have i have found that i can if something's gone wrong uh, I can think about a part of the Bible that would be helpful to look at. Um, uh, for example, um, in vigorous discussions about whether going to church is necessary, um, however that particular discussion worked out on that particular Sunday morning, uh, we could come and talk about that in the light of what God says about meeting up, meeting together. Um, and I am conscious in myself that I'm thinking, what will they think of me? What will they say if I suggest reading the Bible now? I, and I, you know, I can feel a bit of a hypocrite, but. And um, I found that if I can push through that, uh, it's actually a blessing to all of us. And so, yeah, I wish I did it more, but it's 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 great to bring our lives together under God and hear the way He surprises us and loves us and speaks to us there.
1: Thanks, Andrew. Uh, would you say a prayer for parents of teenagers?
5: Yeah, and teenagers too. Yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, we need you and parenting helps us see that we are not what we should be at every at every turn and just when we think something's gone well something else doesn't um thank you that you are a father of a completely different kind that your love is pure that your wisdom is infinite and you are never confused by how to respond to our children and you're never confused by how to respond to us please would you help us to know that you're there, to know that you love us, to know that you are for us and you're in control. And please help us to grow in our ability to leave our panics with you, uh, to look for strength and wisdom from you and uh, to trust you to use us, broken as we are, because that's what you promised to do. We pray these things in Jesus' name.
2: Amen. Amen. Okay, thanks very much for listening, everyone. I hope that was useful. And do send us an email if you've got any questions that come as a result of it. They can email us at... podcast at faithinkids.org Please actually email us. Please do, yes. We're desperate
1: to hear what you're thinking. We're in our early days. We're learning a lot. We're really enjoying it. The feedback is is positive. We're, we are trying to change things as we hear from you.
2: Yeah. So And look at the website, faithinkids.org. Find out how you could get to the big day out lots of other things, loads of resources on the Faith um, and Kids website and also follow on Facebook and the tweets. Is that right? You're on Twitter, right? <laughs> we are. <laughs> yeah, great. So, uh, thanks very much for listening everyone. Speak to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I need to cut
5: this pause out, Jam, because I've temporarily forgotten <laughs>